Good morning, everybody. This is the Tomorrow Christian Today, reading Deuteronomy 3 in the NLT. But you know the drill. First and always, we pray. Dear Lord, thank you so much for this opportunity to read your word. It's a joy. It's a privilege. It's an honor. Um, it's reverent. It's sacred. Lord, you are holy. You want us to be holy as you are holy. You said this in Leviticus, and you're saying it to us every single day of our lives. And this world seems to be more and more unholy. We thank you for all the knowledge that you have given us through your word, through your prophets, through uh, the teachers that we have on the um, on the internet. Um, even though your son is the one true teacher, we still have other teachers that, even though they're sinners, Lord, have been given your wisdom. So help us to discern that wisdom. Help us to seek knowledge wherever it may be. Direct us to the right sources of knowledge, people who are invested in your son first and foremost and not in their own ways or their own theology or aberrant ideas or in making money off other human beings. Lord, show us the right people that we can listen to and derive ideas from. We will never always agree, but help us to see the big picture, which is Jesus. Thank you for um, your word again. We pray in the name of Christ our King. Amen. Yeah, I'm going to read Deuteronomy 3, and then um, I'm going to go, I'm going to see the people in the Bible study. Um, so I joined a Bible study, what, 25 years ago? And it was uh, Baptist people, it was uh, Christian people, and I guess they influenced me, um, even though I really wasn't changing, they sort of influenced me, and I sort of contrasted them with what I had been told and taught, and I began to realize, you know what, what I have been told is wrong, it was a hard day to accept the fact that I'm wrong or I have been taught wrong. And, um, you know, I jumped to the Baptist church, got rebaptized, and they are, you know, really God used them to influence me. And I think it's just Jesus and study the Bible for yourself. Think for yourself, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. It's good to have resources in the Baptist church and it's good to have a pastor. Um, and they are definitely important, but up to it it's up to me to seek out god it's up to me because he's given me salvation it, he's given me a gift and it's up to me to unwrap the gift and use it and that's the grace of god and that's relationships godly relationships so let me i'm, I'm gonna see them I, i'm the only one that's still working they're all retired but god is giving them strength and he's even given my baptist mentor strength even though he's um, 82 years old and has suffered from these cancers. They're still giving him, uh, they're giving him medications now and it seems to have controlled everything and he's going to be there, but he can't drive very far. So I'm praying for him. I'm praying that everybody get there safely because I haven't seen them in person for three, four, five years. I guess I'm a little nervous, although we see each other every week on Zoom. So uh, pray for them and, uh, you know, so great that God can make everybody a family, even though we don't see each other and we don't live in the same nations. We're all a family under Christ and we'll see each other one day in, in the earth made new. So let me read. Victory over Og of Bashan. Next we turned and headed for the land of Bashan, where King Og and his entire army attacked us at Idri. But the Lord told me, do not be afraid of him, for I've given you victory over Og and his entire army, and I will give you all his land. Treat him just as you treated King Sihon of the Amorites who ruled in Heshbon. So, uh, you know, Og, Wizard of Oz, right? The Wizard of Oz, King of Og. I mean, that's kind of a name that I can't take seriously, but you know, maybe it's, maybe it's a sign that, you know, as a Christian, you're walking in this world, you try to walk, you try to, uh, you know, be considerate to all, you're gonna get attacked. Uh, but the thing is, God is in control and God has given us the victory and the uh, king of this world 
temporal king for a time is Satan, and he's going to attack us. It's a matter of when, not if. The Bible says in 2 Timothy 3, verse 12, uh, all who uh, would live a godly life in Christ will suffer persecution. Not something I really want to hear, not something I really want to experience, not something I really want to tell a new believer, um, although he probably already knows it, but it's just, it's to be expected. But God is in control and God will shield us. So the Lord our God handed King Og and all his people over to us and we, we destroyed them all. Wow. Wow. Never, never a nice thing, you know, even when you win your enemies. I'm, I'm sure it's not a great thing, but, you know, they were, King Og was attacking them, right? Not a single person survived. We conquered all 60 of his towns, the entire Agab region and his kingdom of Bashan. Not a single town escaped our conquest. These towns were all fortified with high walls and barred gates. We also took many unwalled villages. At the same time, we completely destroyed the kingdom of Bashan, just as we had destroyed King Sihon of Heshbon. We destroyed all the people in every town. We conquered men, women, and children alike, but we kept all the livestock for ourselves and took plunder from all the towns. Don't don't ever attack Israel. Just, just leave them alone. Um, you know, just... They're, they're part of God's plan. They're the apple of God's eye. And even if they don't believe in Jesus as a, as a whole, you know, as people would say, anytime you attack, you know, Jews in your own country, it's just a sign of ill will towards God. And also, you're actually attacking the financial health of the, of the country. Um, that's what my Baptist mentor said. He said, you know, when they let the Jews alone and let them do their thing, then uh, Britain uh, became stronger um, and prospered. Because God will prosper a country through these people, even if they're not really buying Jesus as the Messiah. Verse 8. So we took the land of the two Amorite kings east of the Jordan River, all the way from the Arnon Gorge to Mount Hermon. Mount Hermon is called Sirion by the Sidiones, and the Amorites call it Sinir. We had now conquered all the cities on the plateau and all Gilead and Bashan as far as the towns of Salisa and Idria, which were part of Og's kingdom in Bashan. King Og of Bashan was the last survivor of the great Rephites. His bed was made of iron and was more than 13 feet long and 6 feet wide. It can still be seen in the Ammonite city of Rabbah. Wow, this guy sounded like a real freak, like he was a big boy, you know? I mean, these guys were like big. You know, I remember when I was young, I used to hear that Adam and Eve were really like big, tall, like they weren't just, you know, six, quote, puny, unquote, feet. They were like 15 feet tall, 20 feet tall. I have no idea, but a lot of these humans, it seems that they came from the land that time forgot. You know, they're like massive. And then we've all hit our present height of around six feet, you know, give or take a couple of inches. And um, I don't know what we'll, what the size of us will be like in heaven. You know, I mean, relatively Will, will we all be the same? Will we be, if you're all 15 feet tall or 20 feet tall, it'll be just like we're all six feet tall, you know? So I have no idea. You know, don't quote me on that. I, heaven is going to be something. The new covenant universe, the new existence will be something really different from this one. It, I don't think we'll be cookie cutter I, um, humans or sons of God in the new universe, but I think we'll definitely be... Um, more robust, more vital, and of course we'll be immortal. There will be no sickness or disease or cancer or, you know, allergies or crying or weeping or separation. All the former things have passed away. That's what God says. 
but this King Og of Bashan, it's like, he's a big boy. He sounded kind of like a, like a Goliath wannabe, you know, if he had a bed that big. So, uh, that's, that's pretty, that's pretty abnormal. <laughs> that's not normal. Okay. I don't think they were uh, doing drugs back then. So if that's the way you really grow, that's, that's huge, man. Just guy was a big boy. I saw a dude today actually in the gym. He was like six foot six six foot seven and he was kind of big across the shoulders too he was big like i was dwarfed you know i don't i don't have a problem i didn't talk to him he didn't look friendly but he didn't look unfriendly he just looked kind of neutral never saw the dude before he was like big and tall man he definitely you know he could definitely hurt you uh seemed okay he was working out with his another friend who was like normal size you know i'm like six foot three well i'm probably less than six foot three i'm i'm diminishing right but uh, this guy was got it. He had to be about six foot six, six foot seven. I I looked over at him sitting. He was sitting, uh, you know, texting on his phone, and then he was standing up and doing some exercise. Like, this guy is big, man. He's taking up some serious space. Uh, if there was any girls in the gym that like guys like uh, this big, um, I'm sure they were all dreaming about him uh, today. Never saw him before, but uh, you know, as far as I'm concerned, I give the brother a, a wide amount of space. I, I I don't usually feel dwarfed in like a midget, but. Uh, Definitely, I didn't feel like uh, Gulliver. I felt like those little people of um, Lilliput uh, today because this guy was, uh, uh, was quite large. Verse 12. When we took possession of this land, I gave to the tribes of Reuben and Gad the territory between Auror along the Arnon Gorge, plus half of the hill country of Gilead with its towns. Then I gave the rest of Gilead and all of Bashan, Og's former kingdom, to the half-tribe of Manasseh. This entire Argob region of Bashan used to be known as the land of the Rephites. Jer, a leader from the tribe of Manasseh, conquered the whole Argob region in Bashan all the way to the border of the Geshurites and Machathites. Jer renamed this region after himself, calling it the towns of Jer as it is still known today. So I guess this doesn't really make a lot of sense to us because we don't know what these towns are, what the borders are, where this happened. And I guess more... Um, justice would be done with this text if along with it being read you know uh there was like a powerpoint presentation or some kind of diagram to show exactly this because when i read all this even i get lost in the details but i think it is important to really see that the jews are very meticulous very meticulous in how they put down details very um you know I mean, if, if, it's a, if something is a story, I'm sure they would tell the story as accurately as possible. And if something is real, I'm sure they'd want to get all the details as much as possible. And if Moses is relating this or uh, he's relating it to somebody, obviously he had a good memory. He's 120 years old, okay? And his mind is not clouded. And the Bible says his eye was not dim, nor was his natural vigor abated. Like this is coming from a, like, like a mind that's very sharp and clear. And he's 120 years old, and God says that he's going to die. But it sounds like he's going, like he's not losing his strength. God is going to not let him enter the promised land, as we're going to see shortly down in this chapter. But if it's Moses relating to somebody or putting this on paper, it's very, very detailed. You have to appreciate that about the Jews. I gave Gilead to the clan of Maker, but I also gave part of Gilead to the tribe of tribes of Reuben and Gad. The area I gave them extended from the middle of the Arnon Gorge in the south to the Jabbok River on the Ammonite frontier. They also received the Jordan Valley all the way from the Sea of Galilee down to the Dead Sea, with the Jordan River serving as the western boundary. 
to the east were the slopes of Pisgah. At that time, I gave this command to the tribes that would live east of the Jordan, so east of the Jordan. Although the Lord your God has given you this land as your property, all your fighting men must cross the Jordan ahead of your Israelite relatives, armed and ready to assist them. I do remember that from a previous chapter we read. So they were allowed to have the land there on the east side, but if the west side called for help, they had to cross over the Jordan and help them. Right, Even, They were one family, but they were kind of split by this Jordan River, which I think I saw in a video somewhere, it probably was a defense liability because your enemy could sort of use the river to get into your country and then decide who they're going to attack. So it was a bit of a liability being split by a river. But nevertheless, they wanted to stay on the east side. And I also read that the east side was kind of like, you know how we always think of something like true north or north is kind of our you know, center point direction. You know, there's four directions, but we always think of north. Well, east was their center point direction. Your wives, children, and numerous livestock, however, may stand behind in the towns I have given you. When the Lord has given security to the rest of the Israelites, as he has to you, and when they occupy the land the Lord your God is giving them across the Jordan River, then you may all return here to the land I have given you. Yeah, I do remember that they had this little... Um, difference because there was like a concern you guys don't want to cross over with us but they promised we we want to stay on the east side but if you need help we're there for you so they did promise that i do remember reading that in a previous chapter here's the subtitle moses forbidden to enter the land this is kind of sad like he's done so much he's been there right from the beginning and uh, he's not allowed to enter uh, he's made a mistake it almost sounds like law like we know that the God of the Old Testament is the same as the New Testament. It's about grace and forgiveness and second chances and resets and grace. Eight is the number of grace, but seven is the number of law. You make a mistake, there's no forgiveness. But we know that God is forgiving, but he's made a mistake, right? And I, before I read this, I, I do want to point out that um, Moses did talk to Jesus. So Moses is in heaven. You know, Moses is with the Lord right now. And he was, he died, but he was resurrected back to life. So God did take him and God does want him. But I did read that, you know, the fact that Moses was not allowed to enter the promised land is kind of like a, a teaching symbol. The fact that the law of Moses, the Ten Commandments, the, you know, the ordinances, however you want to see it, 603 commandments plus the Ten Commandments or 613 commandments altogether is the law of God or the law of Moses, however you want to see it, those laws, that religion, those rules are not enough for you to be with God. There has to be something more in your heart than, quote, just following rules, unquote. And so since Moses is a lawgiver, although we know God gave him the rules, it's kind of, maybe it's, it's God's way of teaching that the law will never be enough for you to enter the kingdom. The law will always uh, be greater than you because you will never fulfill the law. You've put yourself back under the law as Paul argued in Galatians. And it will never, we, we, cannot, we cannot get to God on our own rules and actions. It's impossible. We need God's mercy. We need God's forgiveness. We need to be in the new covenant. That's with Jesus. And so this is a, a kind of a symbol of that. This was like a teaching. The law of Moses, in other words, will never get you there. The law of Christ will. Verse 21. At that time, I gave Joshua this charge. You have seen for yourself everything the Lord your God has done 
to these two kings. He will do the same to all the kingdoms on the west side of the Jordan. Do not be afraid of the nations there, for the Lord your God will fight for you. God will fight for you. And I know that's Joshua 1 verses 9. The Lord your God will fight for you. Because I used to tell my son that all the time. I tell him he's a warrior. I tell him he's loved by God, by me. And I said, God is with you. Um, he's with you. And he'll always be with you. And even Jesus says that I'm going to be with you to the end of the world. I'm going to be with you. I'm going to walk with you. I'm going to live in you. You're going to live in me. You have salvation. You have grace. You enter God's sacred space through me. God will always fight for you. Even if you don't feel it, you don't feel it, uh, your emotions say, God, where are you? God says, I am with you always. That's your faith. And that's God doesn't want you to prove or disprove him. He doesn't want to be like empirical evidence. He doesn't want to be like, you know, falsifiable or whatever. God wants you to trust him. That's more than just laws. That's to trust. Trusting is a relationship. Your relationship is trust and love. How can you trust something you don't love? How can you trust someone you don't love? And I think there's a lot of lack of love and lack of trust in this world. That's why all these things are happening, all these disconnects with relationships. You know what I mean? All these hot girls walking around my gym and you get the feeling, are you guys connected? Are you married? Are you in a relationship? What are you? But hey, you know what? Like guy says, you don't really mess with the ladies because it could get you in trouble. So you kind of just like tiptoe around them. And, you know, especially if you're a shy dude, I guess you're not going to be talking. You know, there's there's always dudes in my gym talking to, to, to women, right? They're the not shy. They're the not shy guys. And and the women are laughing and joking with them. So, hey, it's like it's just I was never part of that crew. Although sometimes I wish I could be, but I'm not. Um, doesn't really feel good to be by yourself sometimes but we know that with God you'll never be by yourself even though it feels like you're by yourself okay verse 22 I've said way too much verse 22 do not be afraid of the nations there for the Lord your God will fight for you so verse 23 it's kind of sad he says at that time I pleaded with the Lord and said oh sovereign Lord you have only begun to show your greatness and the strength of your hand to me your servant is there any God in heaven or on earth who can perform such great and mighty deeds as you do please he's begging God Please let me cross the Jordan to see the wonderful land on the other side, the beautiful hill country and the Lebanon mountains. Like he's asking God, I would like to see it too. And God says, no, you can't. Like this is hard, man. I guess sometimes we ask God for things and God says, no, not right now or no, because it doesn't give glory to God. Like, or it's not good for you. Like this is what this bishop was saying. He's the Orthodox church. I forgot his name. And he was talking about John 14, verse 13, and where Jesus says, anything you ask in my name, I will do it. And he says, everybody reads that part. But the second part is so that the Father and Son may be glorified. And he says, you know, you ask God for something and God looks into your life and says, I can't, I, I won't give that to him because he's not going to glorify us. It's not good for the person. So here's poor Moses asking, like, anybody deserves to go there, it's him. Okay. He's been there. He's dealt with these people. They've attacked him. They've attacked his reputation. He put up with their whining and complaining for 40 years. Man, let, Lord, like show some grace and mercy. Let him in, right? So at the time, we know that he's in now, but at the time, he's not. Verse 26, but the Lord was angry with me because of you and he would not listen to me. Oh boy. That's enough, he declared. Speak of it no more. 
I mean, this guy, I mean, Moses has a real connection with God. Like he has real conversations with God. This doesn't sound made up. Does this sound made up to you? He's having a real face-to-face -face, or in his mind face-to-face, -face, right? Face-to-face, tete-a-tete. You know, Moses is my servant. He's the most humblest man on earth. Numbers 12, verse 3. And he's talking to God and God says, I don't want to hear this anymore. I've made a decision. So maybe sometimes God was going to say something to you and you just don't get it. And you think, God, you don't care about me. You don't love me. He does, actually. He just knows things that we don't know and he asks us to trust. If you're not a person who, if you have trust issues or you don't want to trust or you want to feel, sometimes if you want to feel loved, I think by God, I, I think it's not going to happen. He wants you to feel love. He wants you, but, but sometimes you're just going to have to go on faith. Faith feels pretty neutral sometimes. Like, I love you, God. I just don't feel it back. You're emotionally unavailable. Verse 27, but go up to Pigska Peak and look over the land in every direction. Take a good look, but you may not cross the Jordan River. Oh. Verse 28, instead, commission Joshua and encourage and strengthen him for he will lead the people across the Jordan. He will give them all the land you now see before you as their possession. So we stayed in the valley near Beth Peor. Bottom line, this speaks to me as much as it speaks to you. I'm not sure what it says to you. I don't tell you what to think. I ask you to think about what I tell you. Sometimes God doesn't feel there for me. He doesn't feel like he's there or he cares. It's the same old prayer and it just hits the ceiling and bounces back. But I have been told time and time by other Christian brothers who are encouraging me, don't go on your feelings. Go on faith. God loves you. He died for you, he lives in you, and he will see you soon. All of us. God bless you all.